Hello, and welcome to Getting It Done, a podcast about music, education, and life lessons. I'm your host, Tim Rausenberger, and today is Saturday, January 6th, 2018. This is episode 199, Attempt the Impossible, a Conducting Experience of a Lifetime. When I decided to pursue a career in music, my goal was to take as many music courses as I could when I was in college. I have no idea why I was able to realize at such a young age how important that would prove to be for the rest of my life. I was never a great student throughout primary school, secondary school, and somehow or another, I knew that when college ended, I probably was not going to have the ability to take courses the way they need to be taken when you're a full-time college student. Simply translated, when you take courses while you are working even a part-time job, it can be a real challenge. You simply never have enough time to dedicate to the, the work necessary. And the greatest thing about being a full-time college student is you have that ability. So while I was a double major in music education and music performance, I went all out and took so many credits every semester. The average number of credits I took each semester was about 22. And these were not fluff classes by any stretch. I had one semester where I actually took 15 classes where some of them were only 0.5 credits or one credit and one that was even a requirement that was zero credits. And I can say that my music classes have all proved very beneficial throughout my career. But there was one other thing that I did that was different than some of the other students at my college. And that was, I was a double major on trumpet and voice, but I really wanted to become a better conductor. And to me, taking instrumental conducting and choral conducting was just not enough. Taking only those classes 
I, I knew I needed more. So I started taking conducting lessons my senior year. And I had a wonderful instructor who I had con- connected with extremely well. He came to the school the start of my junior year. And I, I just knew we were going to connect really well in this capacity, one-on-one. He asked me at the beginning why I wanted to take the lessons, and I explained all the different reasons. And he told me to go out and purchase six music scores. And at that time, the easiest way to obtain your scores, quality music scores, was to buy ones made by Dover. Because Dover makes high-quality products that are bound well and they're inexpensive. Well, five of the six were published by Dover, but the sixth one wasn't. Now, among those that I can remember out of the six that I was asked to purchase were Haydn, The Creation, Verdi, Requiem, Mozart, Requiem. And there were two others that I'm forgetting at the moment. But you can imagine these are, of course, very large works dealing with orchestra and chorus and soloists and many tricky conducting spots. I remember parts of the creation and I, I struggled mightily. And the thing about the creation was I wasn't dealing with insane meters. That was also the case with the two requiems. But then there was that sixth score. And the sixth one that he asked me to purchase was not a Dover one. It was Igor Stravinsky's Histoire du Soldat. The Soldier's Tale. And I knew nothing about that piece. I loved Stravinsky. I was a big fan of The Rite of Spring, Firebird. But I didn't know anything about this work. So I had to... find this particular score which was very very challenging and the pro- the other thing that I, I did not like about the score was that it was uh, not a large score by any stretch of the imagination not the 9 by 12 or 10 by 13 size of the Dover scores rather it was I think it was about 5 about five by eight or six by nine, it was pretty small. The notes were smaller, 
the book never wanted to stay open. The score just didn't want to stay open. But it was the only one that was available that was true to the score. And what I mean by that is it didn't have any errors of any kind. So we started working on all of the pieces I mentioned. I remember those four specific works and the Stravinsky was just brutal. The, the, we worked just on the first movement of the soldier's tale. Oh my goodness. It, it, it had to have been at least a month that I worked just on the first movement, which was, I think, is no more than about a minute and a half of music. And I struggled. I, I just, I couldn't get it down. The meters were so strange. And the timing was, was, was odd in so, many, in so many spots. And even with the recording, I couldn't do it well, let alone when I was conducting and he was at the piano. So, I need to tell you a little bit about the, the, the piece. The piece is not for uh, instrumental ensemble or, or orchestra and chorus. Rather, it's a staged production with an instrumental ensemble. But it's not a pit. So it's, we're not dealing with a pit orchestra. There's a very, very differently uh, staged piece of music. And uh, that makes sense because Stravinsky was a different kind of composer. Well, after I got the first movement finally down... My teacher said to me, you know, I think we have the instrumentation here at the school where you could pull this off. Because you see, I wasn't going to need a full orchestra to do this. This was not a piece of music that had an instrumental ensemble with 35 musicians. The piece is scored for only seven. Violin, string bass, clarinet, bassoon, trumpet, trombone, and percussion. The kicker is you need to have virtuoso musicians on all of the instruments because all of the parts were very demanding and I took stock of our program and realized that we had the people to play this first movement so he said I'll tell you what for your final for the the semester that I was with him I want you to get the parts for the first movement which I did and 
you're going to have just two rehearsals, one rehearsal with them so they can get their feet wet with the part, and then the second one is going to be essentially your final. I want you to record the entire thing, and that is how you're going to be, well, one of the major grades you're going to have for the semester. <clears throat> so I got the musicians together, <clears throat> and the violinist was ex- was ec- ecstatic about the prospects of pay- playing the piece. Because as it turns out, he was the only person in the group who had ever played the piece before. He was the only one who knew anything about it. I don't think he he ever got to the point, if I recall, of playing it in a performance situation. I think he had rehearsed it, but he hadn't played it in a performance situation. So we played it for the first rehearsal, and everybody struggled. And then I struggled, of course, because now I have live musicians. So for all the armchair composers out there, or excuse me, armchair conductors out there, uh, taking a phrase out of the armchair quarterback, the type of sports fan who sits back and criticizes everything and says they could do it better, even though they don't have any sports, (laughs) any athletic ability at all, Uh, The armchair conductor is the type of person who conducts really, really well when the music is pre-recorded and never, ever changes. And once you get those live musicians in front of you, things change very quickly. And that was a little bit daunting for me, but I enjoyed the challenge. And by the second time I got in front of them... I really started to feel a lot more comfortable. Now, you you have to understand, I did have some great musicians in front of me. I started to get more comfortable, and I really knew the first movement by now. I can't say that I knew it well enough to the point of knowing it from memory, but I knew it well enough, and I was at the point where I was able to nail all the meter changes, and there were a lot. And I was able to nail them uh, effortlessly. So... We finished the second rehearsal, which was recorded, and the musicians looked at me and said, is there more to this, or is this all there is with the piece? I said, oh no, I said, there's there's a lot more. I said, the whole work is about an hour long. I started talking some more, and then the winter break came along, and... I talked it over with my teacher and talked some more with the students and said to all of them, would you be interested in trying to work on other parts of the piece? And we were thinking about playing it as a suite because Soldier's Tale is frequently played as a suite. It's rarely played in its entirety because it's demanding. It takes a lot of rehearsal. It's also tough because it's not like a lot of other pieces. This is not a piece that you would typically find on most programs because you need to have 
the staging done in such a way and usually when you do these types of a type of performance where you're going to have the seven performers there meaning these seven particular musicians you don't want to just do a performance that would only have them play this piece alone meaning a performance that would be just a shade under an hour the goal is to usually maximize the time of the musicians when you have them all together because no matter what they're going to be playing you still need to pay them all a lot of money so if the string bass player who has an easier part which the string bass player probably has the easiest part it doesn't really matter because you're still going to be paying that string bass player a lot of money. So this is always difficult to program. <clears throat> and I kept that in mind. And then I went into New York City to Patelson's Music House. This might be a place that some of you have heard of. It was a block away from Carnegie Hall on 56th Street. And very sadly, it's no longer there. It's out of business now which is terrible because it was an iconic fixture in New York City for so long. And I relish all of the times I would go to Carnegie Hall, take in a performance, and for a solid hour or two or three before the performance, I would just go into Padelson's. And I'd always walk out buying something. But music was readily available. And most importantly, you could peruse the parts. Which was key. That's something you, you can't do nowadays when you order things off the internet. You can't look at the entire score. You can't look at all of the parts for an arrangement. And upstairs... Buried. Looks like it hadn't... It had been there for quite some time. I found the parts for the piece. But the parts were for everything. After all, this is a staged production for those seven instruments. And it also involved other parts. It involved a narrator... And the part of the soldier. And the devil. And the silent role of a princess. And the more we discussed it, the more we realized that we were going to try to do something which had the potential to change our lives and the opportunity in front of us to do something we may never have a chance to do at any time for the rest of our lives and I can tell you at age 22 looking back on it here I am at 22 years old I was about to attempt something which was frankly the impossible putting together an entire stage production 
mid-school year with the prospect of now trying to reserve the concert hall, find a place where we could rehearse, clear schedules to put the, uh, the, the time needed for the piece and see if we could do this, if we could simply pull off this miracle. And I came back to school and I said to my professor, this is what I'd like to do. And I remember him looking at me and just saying, let's do it, I'm here to support you. Except I had one more request. I said, I don't want any help from any faculty members with any component of this entire experience. I want it to be a student production. Down to everything. I didn't want any faculty help at all. And he obliged. He helped me by speaking to a few people just to see if we could get things reserved and we were able to. And we embarked on this special opportunity to work on this monster of a piece. Stravinsky's Soldier's Tale has 492 meter changes. I should know, I counted them. I wanted to know this piece of music inside and out. I think the only regret I have is that I didn't memorize the entire thing, but I certainly had a lot of parts of it memorized. I worked so hard on this piece of music. But here's the interesting side note. In addition to everything we had to do for this performance, I also had to factor in that I was going to need to present a complete trumpet recital because it was one of my major instruments, a complete voice recital because it's my other major instrument, I need to factor in that my fellow musicians and also the people that we auditioned to act in the production, we needed to make sure they were going to be able to make the time necessary to, to pull this off. So much coordination. Little did I realize at first that this was going to be every bit as difficult, if not more so, than anything I would do the rest of my life. And it started to dawn upon me, if we could really do this, I'm going to be able to do anything on a musical level anything that ever comes up, nothing is ever going to be impossible for me 
when I consider all of these other things I had to do the final semester of my senior year. Throughout the semester, we rehearsed a total of 90 hours on this production. The wind ensemble and chorus combined for the semester between their concert and the rehearsals only rehearsed and performed for 80 hours. So the two together, we surpassed the two of them because we were doing this all on our own. I cannot even begin to say that this was all done by myself. It was a collaborative effort. The musicians in the group were amazing with not just how generous they were with their time, but their incredible suggestions to try to make things better. We discovered together the nightmare that is the company Calmus, K-A-L-M-U-S. Because as wonderful as Calmus can be with obtaining music and obtaining parts for large-scale works at reasonable prices, what Calmus would do to avoid having to pay having to make others pay as much as it would cost to rent the parts or to buy parts that were 100% authentic, true to the original. They would intentionally put incorrect notes in the parts. It was a way for them to avoid having to pay as much Involving the royalties. Brilliant, but irritating. We had to spend two full rehearsals going through because I didn't have the ability. I, I couldn't very well take the entire score, and which would be illegal anyway, for me to photocopy the entire score and then pass out a photocopied score. That wasn't even on the table. Uh, we had to sit there and go through all the parts and verify that all the notes were correct. That was a nightmare. Getting everyone together all the time proved to be difficult because we had theater majors as well as music majors where practically every music major was either look pursuing jobs for after college or going to gr on graduate school auditions, including myself. We also had to be reasonable. When we would call a 7 to 10 rehearsal, we couldn't end at 11 o'clock because it would just irritate people. So we had to be respectful of people's schedules. But even still, we, we had moments where we would go until 10, 15, 10, 30. And, not, and I, I have to give everyone credit. No one, ever, no one ever complained. Not once. Never got a complaint. We got frustrated when we couldn't get something together. But it made everybody want to work even harder. 
We did have a moment about a month before the production where one of the actors had a very, very stressful situation going on in his life and had to take time away from the production, which was brutal. And here we are coming up to the, the, the performance and we didn't know if it was even going to happen. The performance wound up taking place two days after my voice recital. And I have to tell you, my voice recital was tough. The music that my voice teacher had programmed for me was, was brutal. And I, have, I don't even know how I was able to do it without getting sick. But I did it. I can tell you that I made sure to take good care of myself. I made sure to get my sleep. I made sure to prepare in advance. And on that Monday night, we did the performance We pulled it off. And we didn't just do okay. It was deemed by several members of the department, and I'm speaking of faculty members, as one of the finest experiences ever to take place on the campus of my college. I will take that to my grave. To know that a piece of music and an experience can move people so much and make people feel so great and so special. The power of music, the power of the arts. And to know that it was a, com a completely student-run production, wow, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And the performance was flawless. No hiccups. Didn't get l lost once in the score. No mistakes with the baton. Because to be fair, when music is that intense and that challenging, even the best out there can have that little slip. And here I was, 22 years old, <laughs> my, my conducting debut, and I'm doing this. My wind ensemble director came up to me after the performance and it's one of those things because for anybody out there one of the worst times to speak to people musicians and and uh actors actresses people who have just finished any type of production one of the worst times to speak to them is immediately afterward because a lot of times they don't remember things because there's an adrenaline that goes through your body there's a rush. 
and you see all the faces and people are congratulating you, but you just a lot of times don't remember things. But I remembered this because my wind ensemble director was so demanding and we all appreciated him for that. And he was not my conducting instructor. And I remember him coming up to me after the performance and saying, and he shook my hand and he said, congratulations, maestro. Maestro. I was stunned. And he said, that was an incredible performance. Now, I want to see what you're going to be able to do when you get out in the real world with community musicians. And I was happy to tell him that a year later, I founded and directed from scratch a community band of 80 members which lasted for many years and that was also a very special experience in my life seize the moment when people give you opportunities grab them I was in the right place at the right time. All the stars in the sky, everything lined up. And part of it is luck, but you have to work hard because you never know when you're going to have that opportunity. You never know when someone is watching you or someone sees something in you. One of my voice teachers left something, an impression that, I, that will never ever leave my mind. He said, you need to perform every single time that you sing, every single time you, per you play your instrument, you have to be at your best because you never know who might be listening. And he was so right. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I've been able to parlay the simplest of things and turn them into magical experiences, profitable performances. And forge friendship, friendships in some cases that have lasted a lifetime. I hope that this particular episode is moving in some way and motivational so you realize that anything is possible because 
I will never, ever deem myself as one of the best students who ever graduated from that school. Not even close. Oh my goodness, there were people way more talented than I could ever dream of being. But there was one thing that I did have in common with a lot of the best students who graduated from there. And that's drive. And passion. And that's something that no one can ever take away from me. And I bring that with me every single day to everything I do. I bring it to my job. I bring it to my performances. I bring it to my writing. And I hope you've probably realized by now, I bring it to my podcasts. And it's a reason why I like to do these. I like to make people feel good. I like people to leave my presence taking something with them and feeling good about themselves. And as I always say, in a world where there's a lot of lousy stuff going on, tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow is a day that I was pretty sure I would be able to attain, but you never know when starting this. We're going to be at 200 episodes. And I can just leave that this one thought with you before we wrap this one up to one of my students out there. I did it. I really did it. Because she asked me, do you think you're going to be able to go through with this and continue doing this every single day? And I said, I'm going to give it my, my best. And the fire is burning as it is, it is as big as it's ever been with this podcast. And there's no slowing down. I thank you, as always, for tuning in. Please share this episode with others. Subscribe through SoundCloud, through iTunes. If you need to communicate with me or you have any other questions or you want to even ask me about anything relating to uh, this particular conducting experience, you can reach out to me uh, through my website, BrassTenor.com. And I also have uh, BrassTenor.com uh, available on Facebook, so you can also reach me through there. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen to this experience, and I wish you all the best in pursuing your dreams. <laughs>